morning. Adonai, we thank you for your goodness to us. You are always, always good. And uh, we are grateful for your faithfulness to us. We thank you that you have been here as we have worshipped you. And we thank you for this word that you want to speak to our hearts today. I pray that we would have ears to hear uh, and that the word would penetrate into our hearts and find good soil and it would produce abundant fruit in our lives. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. So this past month we have been seeking to strengthen our belief system in our series uh, entitled, Do You Believe This? When Rabbi Michael started our series, he encouraged us that how we live our lives is the true reflection of our belief system. Because words are easy to speak. But faith requires more than mere words. So we examined the authority of the scriptures, uh, the reality of miracles, and last week Rabbi Michael shared that Yeshua is the only way. The good news, though he is available to all who will call on his name, even as we recited in some of our prayers today, Jew and Gentile alike. So today we are asking the question, do you believe in divine healing? Do you believe that God promised in his word to heal the sick? If we do not, then we will never be able to pray that prayer of faith that heals the sick, according to Yaakov, James, chapter 5, verse 13. Often people answer this question out of their emotions or out of their experiences. But my friends, my belief system and your belief system has to go beyond what we feel and beyond what we have experienced in life. Think with me to Yeshiahu, Isaiah 53. It begins with these words. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's the question. Do you believe the report of the Lord? We have been examining this past month several foundational truths of our faith. Do you believe the report of the Lord? It goes on to say there in Isaiah 53, For before him, and this is talking about the Messiah, he grew up like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He was not well formed or especially handsome. We saw him, but his appearance did not attract us. People despised and avoided him, a man of pains, well acquainted with illness, like someone from whom people turned their faces. He was despised. We did not value him. In fact, it was our disease he bore. We say that again. It was our disease he bore. Our pains from which he suffered, yet we regarded him as punished, stricken, and afflicted by God. But he was wounded because of our crimes, crushed because of our sins. The disciplining that makes us whole fell on him, and by his bruises... We are healed. You see, this passage clearly tells us that atonement and salvation came through the Messiah. Yeshua is the only way, as Rabbi Michael spoke about last week. But these same verses declare to you and me that that atoning work that brings eternal life to us also provides healing. I know that my sins are atoned for because Yeshua gave his life on the tree of sacrifice, as Abigail said in her Devar Torah 2,000 years ago. In the same way, I know that sickness is healed by that same sacrifice. 
Now the psalmist recognized this, and he says in Tehillim 103, Bless Adonai, O my soul, everything that is in me, bless his holy name. Bless Adonai, my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He forgives all your offenses or sins, and he heals all your diseases. Now the rabbis tell us that healing derives ultimately from God. And they insist that physicians are doing the work of God's, as God's deputies. And they believe that if you are called to the profession of healing to be a doctor, it is to be God's presence in the face of pain. But it's even more than that because they say that since God's ultimate presence is seen in the original act of creation, healing must be viewed as a continuation of that fact. Healing is seen within our liturgy. There's a blessing that we say each morning that praises God for healing and doing miracle works. There's another blessing that is recited daily that is based on Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah 7:14, which says, Heal us, O Lord, and we will be healed. Traditional Judaism also encourages the recitation of psalms over someone who is ill. The rabbis believe that David wrote the book of Psalms to help us to call on the mercy of God when we are in difficult situations. Listen to what one rabbi said about the Psalms. Know that the chapters of Psalms, Psalms excuse me, shatter all barriers. They stand higher and still higher with no interference. They prostrate themselves in application before the master of all worlds, in other words, God the creator, and they affect and accomplish with kindness and compassion. Traditionally, there are 36 psalms that one is supposed to read over someone who is ill. In addition, particular verses from Tehillim Psalm 119 are read. If you don't know what Psalm 119 is, it's an acrostic. Uh, It's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's laid out. The first uh, set of verses start with the letter Aleph, the second with the letter Bet, the third with the letter Gimel, and going all the way through the Hebrew alphabet. So there are particular verses that are read uh, from this psalm, including the verses that correspond to these words, kara satan, which means to destroy Satan. Isn't that interesting? So in Judaism, there are verses that are read from Psalm 119 that corresponds to this Hebrew phrase, kara satan, destroy the prosecutor or destroy the accuser, destroy Satan and the devil. So within Judaism, we see that there's this belief in healing. Why? Because it's that, what we see in the Hebrew scriptures. From the beginning to the end, from Bereshit to Revelation, Adonai reveals himself as a God who heals. Look with me in Shemot, Exodus chapter 15. Here God gives the first promise of healing. He said, if you will listen intently to the voice of Adonai your God, And you do what he considers right. If you pay attention to his mitzvot and observe his laws, I will not afflict you with any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians because I am Adonai, your healer. I am Adonai Rofa, Adonai Rafecha, God, your healer. And the reality is he never, ever revokes this promise. This is the first time that is given But throughout the Tanakh and into the New Covenant, he repeats this promise over and over again. 
The second time is in Shemot, Exodus chapter 23, verse 25, where God declares, You are to serve Adonai your God, and he will bless your food and water, and I will take sickness away from among you. When you read throughout the the scriptures in the Hebrew Bible, through the prophets and the Psalms, often it speaks about the promise that God gives to be a healer. As I said in Jeremiah, heal us, O Lord, and we will be healed. And there are many stories of healings that took place. Here's a list of some of those within the uh, books of the Tanakh. We see in Bereshit chapter 20 how Adonai heals Abimelech and his wife and maidservants when Avraham prays for them. We see in Shemot, Exodus fifteen twenty six and twenty three twenty five, as we just read, that God reveals Himself to the Jewish people, to the Israelites, as Adonai Rofecha, the Lord your healer. In Bamidbar Numbers chapter twelve, Miriam is healed of leprosy. In Bamidbar Numbers twenty one, the plague went through the the camp. People were bitten by the serpents. Remember when Moshe made that a bronze serpent and he lifted it up? That when, and he lifted that up in the wilderness, that was a foreshadow of the Messiah who was to be lifted up on the tree of sacrifice. And whenever they looked on that bronze snake, everyone who had been bitten by the snakes were healed. In Melachim Allah, 1 Kings 17, we see the widow's son was revived from the dead. In Melachim Bet, 2 Kings 5.14, Naaman is healed from leprosy. In Melachim 2 Kings 20, we see Hezekiah had his life extended. He was sick. He cried out to God, and God granted him more years on this earth. And as I said throughout the Psalms, we see the psalmist, David and the others who wrote the Psalms, declaring the healing power and promises of God. In Tehillim 107, verse 20, the psalmist declares, Adonai sent his word and healed them. He delivered them from destruction. So does Judaism believe in healing? Yes, because it's, it's rooted in the Hebrew scriptures, that God is a God who heals. But when we read the pages of the New Covenant, we encounter the same healing power of God through the ministry of Yeshua. One writer summarized it this way. He said, illness is one of the key enemies over which Yeshua takes authority in the first few chapters of the book of Mark. So I want to read this summary of the healing ministry of Yeshua that was put together by this author of the article I was reading about this. He said, a total of 27 individual miracles of healing credited to Yeshua are to be found in the scriptures, as well as 10 occasions recording the general healing of large numbers of people. His ministry dealt with a wide variety of human ailments, demon possession, sickness, disease, accident, and even death. In each instance, Yeshua freely and frankly presented himself as an object of faith to be sincerely believed. In the face of such an impressive ministry of healing, it is truly remarkable that he should uh, promise his disciple, greater works than these shall you do. In ministering to physical need, Yeshua healed by a word, by a touch, by physical anointing, He healed those near at hand and those at a distance. He healed on the Shabbat. He healed individuals and groups at large. Among the 27 instances of individual healing, there are seven cases in which a demon was cast out. On 11 occasions, friends brought the sick person to Yeshua. 
On six occasions, the patient brought himself. On three occasions, Adonai performed the healing at a distance. In other words, the person wasn't even there. He healed eight persons by a touch, seven by speaking a word. Three were healed in a ceremony in which he spit and touched the patient. And in one instant, it was a gradual healing that took place. This article goes on to say that in addition to these 27, there are the following occasions when Yeshua healed many at one time. We can read about them in uh, Matthew chapter 4, 23 through 25, Matthew chapter 8, Matthew 12, Matthew 14, Matthew 15, Matthew 19, Matthew 21, and then Luke chapter 6. And the author is talking about how inspiring these occasions are, for we read that at times multitudes came to Yeshua for healing, and in these accounts we read such expressions as, he healed all their sick, or he healed them all, or as many as touched him, they were made whole. So that's impressive. 27 documented, plus the multitudes. But think about what Yochanan wrote at the end of his uh, Bessarah. In chapter 20, verse 30, he says, And many other signs truly did Yeshua in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And then again in Yochanan 21, And there also are many other things which Yeshua did. The which, if they should be written down everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Do you hear what, the, what we're being told? So Yeshua, as Rabbi Michael spoke about on miracles, and healing is a particular type of a miracle. Wherever he went, he performed miracles and healings. And we only have 27 individual plus the groups, 10 occasions of groups coming to him. But Yochanan says he did so much more than what has been recorded that books wouldn't be able to contain that. Healing didn't stop with Yeshua. He gave power to his Talmudim and he sent them forth. We can read about this in the Bessarah, in, in all of them, Mark, Luke, Matthew. But Matthew 10, 18 is one of those occasions, I'm sorry, Matthew 10, 8, where he sent the, the Talmudim out, and he said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Then in Luke 10, he sent out the group of 70, and he gave them a similar command. He said, whenever you come into a town where they make you welcome, eat what is put in front of you, heal the sick there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near. Healing was something that Yeshua wanted his Talmudim to continue. So when we read about the, the first century Kehilah in the book of Acts, we see that the Talmudim regularly healed the sick. Acts chapter 3, we're familiar with Kepha and the uh, crippled man at the gate beautiful. In Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5, it talks about the Kehilah in general bringing healing to those who were sick. even talks at one point how uh, they would lay the sick in the street so that as Kepha's, uh, Kepha walked by, his shadow would fall upon them and they would be healed. In Acts chapter 6, we're told about Stephen who regularly went out to bring healing. Philip in Acts chapter 8. Ananias in Acts chapter 9. And of course, Rav Shaul 
talks about how God used him to heal the sick. And we see that in Acts 14, Acts 19, Acts 28. And then in Romans 15, he talks about uh, how God is a God who heals. So this is awesome tradition that we see within the, the Tanakh and in the New Covenant. And as we heard on, in the message on miracles, God hasn't changed. He is the same today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. He is a God who heals. The question is, do you and I believe that? As Rabbi Michael also shared in his message on miracles, our human reasoning hinders miracles from taking place, including healing. And as I said at the beginning of our message, not only our human reasoning, but sometimes our human emotions and our experiences hinder healing. And although God gives us emotions, sometimes those emotions are contrary to the truth of God's word. And at other times, my experience may differ from what I read in the, in the scriptures. And it's at those moments that I have a choice and that you have a choice. Do I listen to my emotions or go by my experience? Or do I choose to believe what God declares in his word? God wants to encourage each of us to believe, to believe in the authority of his word, to believe in the miracles, to believe that Yeshua is the only way, and to believe that he is a God who heals. All of us know... uh, someone who did not receive a healing. And often these experiences shake people's faith. Recently, we prayed for Matthew Engel to be healed. As a congregation, we were praying. Others were praying. But he didn't receive a physical healing here on earth. And it's hard when someone young dies. A lot of questions and emotions arise. Not many people know this. In fact, my children just found out yesterday. They said they wish they'd known this before the youth night when it was like, what thing do you not know about your parents? But when I was in my early 20s, I was engaged to a young man named Kevin. He was a believer. My father had introduced me to him. He was part of the Royal Ranger ministry uh, that my father worked in. Uh, But one night he had a massive heart attack and died in his sleep. He had not been sick. There was no indication that there was anything physically wrong with him. Uh, He just died. In his 20s. And Again, like with Matthew, when something like that happens, it is very, very hard to understand why. A lot of questions and a lot of emotions. And as I have shared with people who have talked to me about things recently with Matthew, God is not put off by our questions. He's not put off by our emotions. But once we present those questions and those emotions to him, 
we have to come to a point of making the decision what we're going to do. I'm going to be the first to tell you, I don't have the answer to all the questions. I cannot tell you why Kevin passed away in his sleep in his 20s. I don't know. I, I, I didn't know then. It was a horrific experience, very emotional. I hadn't thought about it for some time. So even sharing this with my kids for the first time yesterday, Michael knew about it. I mean, it's almost 40 years ago. So the whole emotion of it was there. With Matthew, the same thing. So I don't have all the answers to why did this happen or why did this not happen. So when I don't have the answers, what am I going to do when it comes to the principles and the truth in God's word? If we are not careful, the enemy will take those emotions and those experiences and the lack of our understanding, the lack of our not having the answer to those questions, and take that to destroy our faith in God as a healer. This series was set in place over a month ago. We laid out how we were going to end the year. And so I was speaking to my husband and my brother, Ralph, yesterday about this message because I know some of you have struggled since Matthew passed away. And I knew this was not going to be an easy message to, to speak, and I even texted my family this morning and said, please pray that hearts are able to receive the truth of God's word through the emotion and through the pain that people are feeling. And I was talking, you know, with my brother Ralph yesterday morning. We spent a couple hours on the phone and, and then later with uh, Michael about how are we to respond when it seems, and I'm using that word, when it seems our prayers are not answered or they're not answered in the way that we thought they would be. In other words, when someone doesn't receive physical healing here on this earth, now, if you remember, my brother, brother's wife, Debbie, passed away four years ago after fighting cancer for 10 years and seeing God miraculously sustain her life when the doctor said she would not live longer than a year. So the fact that she lived for 10 more years was a miracle, and over and over again, we saw God do awesome things. So my brother was talking to me about that. He said, you know, a couple things. that he, he, We've talked about this, not just yesterday, but over the years. He says, God's never at fault. Debbie and I never, ever pointed a finger at God. And that's what the enemy would like some of us to do. And he said, the second thing, as a believer, he says, it's a win-win. If God heals us here on this earth, that's great. But if not, we know that in heaven there's no pain, there's no sickness, there's no disease. I just finished reading the book of Revelation yesterday, and it talks about the, the new heavens and the new earth, and again, that all tears will be wiped away, no sickness, no pain, no disease. 
So I can tell you that Matthew, Debbie, and Kevin are in heaven free from pain, physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. They are rejoicing in the presence of Yeshua like one day we all will. And as much as we miss them and would want them to be here, I can tell you they don't want to be here. Because once you are in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you don't have a desire to return to this earth because this earth is not our home. And so we've discussed in the scripture from Daniel that Ralph was saying him and Debbie lived by, and it's a scripture that Michael and I, through some difficult times, have also made this proclamation. And that is the three young men who are being thrown into the fiery furnace. Most of us are familiar with the story. And they say to King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not. Even if he does not. We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. In other words, we are going to be faithful to God, even if he doesn't come through in the way we know he can. We will not change our beliefs. We will not change or turn from our faith in him. As I said, this is a verse we live by. I remember when the tumor recurred in my leg, and I remember Rabbi Ashley came over to see us, and I could tell he was distraught because what's he going to say to me? And he looked at Michael and I, and this is the verse we said, look, Ashley, we know that God is able. But even if he does not, if they take limb by limb, if my leg has to be amputated, whatever the course may be, he is still God. And we're going to serve him and to believe in him and to believe in the power of his word. So when God seemingly doesn't answer our prayers, we need to trust him and his ways in those moments. When we don't have the answer to the question, we need to rise up beyond what we don't understand and choose to trust that God, who is who he says he is in his word, we cannot, allow, we cannot lower our standards of belief to our experiences, or to our emotions. Even when I can't see, I have to choose to believe in who God says he is in his word. And I believe that he is a God who heals. And he wants you to believe that today. So how can we help our beliefs in this area to be strengthened? Here's a few things that I want to encourage you with as I close this morning. One, simply take God at his word. Healing is a part of the atonement. As we already read from Isaiah 53, 
It was our disease he bore, our pains from which he suffered. Yet we regarded him as punished, stricken, and afflicted by God. He was wounded because of our sins, crushed because of our sins. The discipline that made us whole fell on him, and by his bruises we are healed. And Yeshua reiterates that over and over again when he celebrated that last Passover Seder with his Talmudim. He took and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And that body, which was broken for you and me, was broken so that healing could come into our bodies. He is a God who heals. He has not changed. So I need to take God at what he says in his word. Even when I haven't experienced that in my life, even when I don't understand, even when I have questions, I have to set those questions aside and say, God, I choose to believe who you say you are in your word, and you say you are a God who heals. The second thing is to saturate our minds with the word. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's been a while since I've done this, but after preparing this message this week, I'm going to start up again. But I would listen to healing scriptures every day. Uh, you can find them on YouTube, uh, videos, uh, there's like three or four that I would listen to that were about 20 minutes to half an hour. So every morning I would listen to those, uh, those scriptures. And I've shared those with other people. We also have a list of healing scriptures that we've handed out to people along with the healing creed that is based on the different scriptures that pr- promise healing that, that's on our app. You can find that, that prayer there. And what happens when you saturate your mind with this truth? Your spirit and your body begins to respond. And your faith in God as a healer is increased. So saturate your mind with the word. And specifically words that declare that he is a God who heals. I've shared this many times. I always like to be reading in one of the Bissar wrote because I like to read about the life and ministry of Yeshua. And that it always encourages my faith to see that he was a God who constantly healed and performed miracles and that he's the same today. The third thing we need to do, which encompasses the word, but is to place ourselves in an atmosphere where faith can be built. That means prayer, worship, services, again, the word. So I found some statistics that probably won't shock most of us, but this was a study done the first quarter here of 2018, so this is... uh, hot off the press, and indicates that American adults spend an average of six hours daily watching video, okay? That includes live TV, videos on YouTube, mobile websites, you know, DVDs, Roku, and all those other, you know, apps and things they have there. In addition, adults are spending an average of 45 minutes per day on social media, And the data on this video viewing of six hours was collected during the first quarter of 2018. And it accounts for, the study says, a sizable chunk of 11 hours per day that Americans spend listening to, watching, reading, or otherwise interacting with media. So cut through all, and let me tell you, that means anywhere from 7 to 11 hours. You and I are putting our minds in an atmosphere that may not be the best for building our faith. I'm just saying, 
unless you're watching the healing scriptures on YouTube, a lot of things that we watch on TV, again, I'm not opposed to watching TV, but it's not necessarily going to build our faith. Now, in contrast, I read this statistic. The average believer prays three to seven minutes a day, including mealtime. Wow. And I have to say, it was harder to find statistics on this. It's much easier to find statistics about how much video we all watch. But I did find a study from 2014. And there were 1,500 believers that were surveyed. 90% said they read the Bible regularly. Not necessarily every day, but regularly. But only 31% said they set aside a substantial period of time each day to pray. 82% agree that every believer needs to spend time alone with God on a daily basis and that without it, their faith would suffer. Yet 42% said that they find it difficult to find the time on a regular basis to pray and read the Bible. 63% admitted to being easily distracted while spending time with God. And 88% agreed it was important for a believer to read or study the Bible on a daily basis but in practice, only half manage to do that. Wow. So when it comes to these two findings, it is evident that as a whole, we as believers are neglecting that which would build our faith up. And as I said, indulging in other activities that actually might be tearing our faith down. So in crisis, we pray, and we might pray a lot. But we neglect spending time in prayer and his word on a daily, weekly basis, which will strengthen our faith. We've shared this so many times as your rabbis, but I just want to repeat it here. When someone is struggling, and they come to us and they're struggling, we all, and you know it, if you come to us, we always ask, how's your devotional life? I can tell you probably 99% of the time, okay, 95 to 99% of the time, someone who is struggling usually is not meeting with God on a regular basis. Forget daily, even three times a week. And I say this to encourage us, if I want my faith in God as a healer, or my faith in God as a miracle worker, or my faith in the authority of the word, or all these other things that we're talking about to be built up, then I need to put myself in an atmosphere that is going to build that faith up. So what's the remedy to this? Perhaps a little tweaking of our schedule. So instead of 7 to 11 hours, maybe take half an hour out of that and say, okay, half an hour today. I'm not going to watch that video. I'm not going to watch that TV show. Instead, I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word. Again, there's so many things that are available. I love YouTube for worship. You know, I'm the make the joyful noise section, but when I sing with people on YouTube, I sound pretty good. (laughs) YouTube, all these uh, subscriptions uh, you know, to these apps and pr- things where you can get music. 
There's even the free app, Praiser, that we found where you can get believing music that you can listen to. Put it on when you're driving. Almost everybody drives every day. Think about it. If you just put worship music on while you were driving, what that would do, it changes the atmosphere. And it changes your heart. Put it on while you're cooking, while you're cleaning. My kids can put music on while they're studying. I cannot. I'm one who cannot be distracted. When they come in for me to work with them on a, you know, will you edit, Mom? Will you proofread my paper? They can't drink anything beside me. They can't chew anything beside me. Like, go finish your drink and come back. So I need, you know, undivided attention. I cannot uh, chew gum and, uh, what's that saying? Chew, walk, and chew gum at the same time. I don't want to mess it up because I always mess those up. Just a little tweak. Are you going to miss a half hour of a video, a TV show? It probably isn't that uplifting anyway. Think about it. Take a half hour day and devote it to a time with God. Worship, prayer, the word. Pray each day on your own. Pray with others. Attend prayer meetings here at the congregation. It's a sad statistic that prayer meetings are the least attended in every congregation, including ours. And I'm just going to say this. This is free of charge. There will always, 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 always be a reason not to come to prayer. Always a reason not to stay on Saturdays, two to three today. Always a reason not to show up on Thursdays. Always. I have to make effort. I have to make a decision. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. So to saturate ourselves, to put ourselves in an atmosphere, surround yourself with other people of faith who will encourage you in your relationship. So when I'm struggling, I'm not going to call someone who's going to just commiserate with me over my struggle. If I'm struggling with doubt and unbelief about God being a healer or a miracle worker or the authority of the word, I'm going to go to someone who I know knows the truth and will say to me, Carol, you know that God is a God who is true to his word and will encourage me and not join my pity party and tell me, oh, God sees and he knows it's okay. And Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, again, God is not put off by our questions or by our emotions, especially when something has so recently happened. But we have to take ourselves to that point of saying, God, bring me into your presence. As the psalmist said in Tehillim 78, I didn't understand everything that was going on around me. But when I came into the sanctuary, it all made sense. In other words, he got a perspective that his human mind could not fathom. But God's presence gave him a perspective. He still didn't have answers to all the questions. But he had God's presence, which settled his spirit. The next thing we can do is fast and pray for anointing. When the disciples couldn't heal the tormented child, this is what Yeshua told them. Matthew, Matthew 17. Why couldn't we drive it out? He said, because you have such little faith. I tell you that if you, do not have, if you have faith as tiny as a mustard seed, you will be able to say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move indeed. Nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind does not go out except through prayer and fasting. Nobody likes to fast. It's hard to fast. It's not enjoyable to fast. Your stomach growls. You're always thinking about what you're going to eat. Even if you're only fasting one meal, trust me, I know. 
because I do fast regularly. But fasting is a spiritual tool that God has given to us that will increase our faith. And I'm going to tell you, as your rabbi, there's not one person here who can't fast one meal a week. One meal a week. Even if you're on medicine, you're going to eat in the afternoon. Okay, if you take your medicine in the morning, eat your breakfast, fast lunch, then at 3 o'clock, eat a snack. I'm just saying. One meal a week. Think what would happen if we all started to fast and pray. Don't fast and not pray, because it's easy to do that. It is for me. I could go without food, and, but I have to pray when I'm fasting. Focus on Yeshua as a healer. As I said, read the healing scriptures. Read the Bessarah on a regular basis. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Always be reading those so you hear the healing power of Yeshua. Tell the stories of God's healing power. We have people sitting here today who God healed. Natalie, Ricardo, people who we prayed for. Pat this year. Others. My nephew, he just reached out to me again this week. He was going for a follow-up to his doctor. They wanted to do surgery this past year. He reached out for prayer. We prayed for him, and they didn't have to do surgery. Those are all testimonies of God's healing, and we need to share those. Chris's foot, I was thinking about. Healed like that. And give thanks to him for those healings. And finally, exercise the authority and power that God has given us. Luke 9, 1 through 2. When Yeshua uh, called the disciples together, he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. God has given you that same power and that same authority and the same commission to preach the kingdom and to heal the sick. Many people will stop praying for the sick when their prayers seem to not work. Friends, that's the worst thing that you can do. As I said, uh, Kevin died almost 40 years ago. Think about it. If I had allowed my emotions, which were pretty raw, I can tell you. He had just got out of the Air Force. He had moved to Florida. I was in college in Springfield, Missouri. If I had allowed my emotions and the lack of knowing why this happened... To control my behavior, I would have never prayed for another sick person. But I didn't. And the result is, many of you have been healed because I prayed for you. Not because of me, because of God. So the enemy wants us to stop praying for the sick. He wants us to stop believing in miracles. And that's the worst thing that we can do. Because I don't understand, and because I can't give you an answer, does not change the truth that God is a God who heals. And because I know that he is a God who heals, if you come up to me today and say, Rabbi Carol, will you pray for me for healing? I will pray a prayer of faith. Because I know he is a God who heals. And that's what God wants from each one of us. That in spite of how we feel, in spite of the questions that we cannot answer, that we will make that decision to believe 
that he is who he said he is, and that he is the God who heals. As we said throughout this series, the enemy wants to derail our faith and our belief system. So he will do everything he can to destroy it because he wants to immobilize us and make us ineffective. But Adonai wants to declare to you today, to Beth Emanuel, to those listening on podcasts, I am the Lord who heals. I am still a God who heals. So I want to encourage us to rise up beyond our emotions, our circumstances, and choose to believe him, to believe this truth, to proclaim it, and to pray it. And for those of us who are still struggling with our emotions, we want to continue to surrender those to God and allow him to be the one who heals and ministers to us, because he will do that. Let's pray. Adonai, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of what you declare, that you are a God who heals. And even though the enemy would like us to doubt that, God, we make a choice today to trust you and your word in spite of our experiences and in spite of our emotions. Father, I pray for each one listening here this morning, those listening by podcasts. God, that when it comes to our belief systems, whether it be healing, miracles, the word, Yeshua, the only way, God, all these things we have been discussing and hearing about this past month, God, that we would strengthen our faith in these areas, God. I pray that we would saturate our minds and our spirits with your presence, with your word, and allow that to speak and to minister to us. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Please rise. I want to speak the ironic benediction over you. I encourage you to uh, receive this blessing from God. Again, we'll be praying from 2 to 3 uh, this, uh, this afternoon. Hebrew classes. Josiah, as I said, is going to be teaching Myrna's. I'll be teaching my class and then our couples uh, tonight from 7 to 8. Bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. I pray that you walk in the peace of God Almighty. In Yeshua's name, amen. Shabbat shalom.